Welcome to the More Sports Now podcast. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan in our Jersey studio. And on the line, once again, we're joined by John McAlevey. It's our final podcast of 2018. And uh, let's start by thanking our sponsors, guys, right? We had uh, some terrific uh, help along the way here. Astorino Financial Group, uh, Fox Hollow Golf Club, LG Insurance came on board. Bohemian Raspberry, the Sports Academy, Rob Digital, of course, who does our site, and then Zebra Pen, uh, who sponsored the RU Review. And, yeah, uh, first year in for and, Zebra. And it was fantastic, and uh, and, and what a show. And, and also, all our contributors, all the people that came on, we'll start with Eric, Eric Legrand, with the RU Review, which was just a terrific season. I mean, could have been some better football, but uh, but a, a nice full season uh, of the RU Review, and that's certainly coming back. Uh, we're excited about that, and uh, you know, listen, a wonderful season. Uh, Johnny, tell us, man, what what excited you in 2018? About 2018, you know, this is going to be a little outside the box here, fellas. I did a little thinking, and as you well know, I am a basketball head, and more so a college basketball head. And I was out with some of my buddies around uh, Christmas time, and one of them happens to be a very proud alumnus of the University of Virginia. And I think you probably know where I'm going with this. But yes, sir. We got to talking about how their team is really good every year and they shut people down and they don't allow big scoring numbers from their opposing teams. But unfortunately, they ran into a number 16 seed that wasn't having any of that last year, the UMBC team, the Maryland-Baltimore County. You know, I did a little research when I got back. They were the first team to knock off a, obviously knock off a number one seed. And in doing so, I, I think the record was uh, the, the 16 seeds were 0 and 135. And they were the first one to knock them off. And they didn't just knock them off. They destroyed them from, from pillar to post, mm-hmm. as they like to say. So that to me is the, is the big story uh, that, that stands out from 2018. What stands out for you, Matt? Oh, I have to say it's what the Devils are able to do. You know, they've won three Stanley Cup championships. Mm-hmm. They've had Hall of Fame players, Marty Brodeur, Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer. They've had other greats as well, uh, who some may eventually go to the Hall of Fame, Patrick Elias in particular. But they've had some tremendous players in their lineup, but have never, through all that great run that they had, had an MVP. And last year they did in Taylor Hall, the first ever Hart Trophy winner in New Jersey Devils history. He had 93 points, 41 more than Nico Heischer was second on the team. And he helped, along with others, but he was the driving force. He helped the Devils to their first playoff appearance in six years. And they made it just by the skin of their teeth. There's no question about it. They they were in by just one point. However, his individual performance, he had points in 26 consecutive games, interrupted by uh, a period, short period where he was out with injury. So it's not considered an NHL record. But if you can get a point in 26 straight games, you're doing something special. So for me, that was just a marvelous moment to watch him bring the Devils back to the position that they had long taken for granted. And so that is one of the things I'll look back on in 2018. And they went, uh, you know, to the playoffs, right? That the playoff drought, which is uh, first time in six yeah, years, yeah. Yeah, which was uh, which is nice as well. Well, I don't have anything in our backyard, but I mean, you just got to tip you got to tip your cap to the Red Sox organization. You really do. I mean, if we go back to 2003, 
you know, where they blow another opportunity against the Yankees. And you're figuring this this organization is never going to win. The chance of 1918, uh, you know, constant, uh, you know, certainly when I was a kid growing up and all the way up until that time. And then the amazing comeback in 2004. And the guys, it's just been amazing. Four championships from 2004 to 2018 to a team that was considered an organization that was considered just couldn't get it done. And now, you know, they're really, uh, I mean, you can argue they're the best organization in baseball last uh, 20 years, certainly. I mean, I would think. Yeah, and I, I, I will second that emotion, Steve. I never thought we would um, see a championship, let alone four flags flying. You and I sort of grew up in that era where, um, it, it was just one horrible loss after another. And, of course, living behind enemy lines, as we like to say, our friends that wear the pinstripes were quick to point this out to us with each and every uh, terrible loss that would happen. But, yeah, to see them winning is is a beautiful thing. Um, and we'll see if it can continue. Who knows? Uh, it will be interesting to see if they can keep everybody together and with their payroll is crazy right now, if that comes down. Um, it's tough in baseball to sustain that, but they've been able to do so in the 2000s. And even this year, you know, they had a great regular season, but you're, you know, thinking the Yankees are still a fantastic team, the mighty Astros, and, you know, look, they just they just lived up to that incredible regular season and, again, won it all again. So that's, that's you know, four championships in, in that amount of time. No so, so the turn of the century, it's just really been a, a different organization. Well, they, you know, they, they have enormous revenues. Baseball produces enormous revenues. And they're spending money, too. Individually, yep. the Boston Red Sox just bring in so much money. Everybody talks about the Yankees and the Yes Network, et cetera. Boston is right up there with Ness, and it's incredible. So, and you have the whole, you have all of New England. So it's a huge, it's a huge area. Yeah, no, they're they're even a national team now, right? And so, the the Red Sox, you tip their cap to them. They are run by a good group of men who know how to spend the money. They hire the right people, and they are willing to spend. Unlike my team, the New York Mets, although they would provide the Mets one of the individual stories of 2018 Mm -hmm. as well. Jacob deGrom, though I would argue that you should have a better one-loss record than he finished with, if you look at his numbers, if you look what he did for a club that was, you know, below average uh, at best, one of the best seasons on the Hill in a long, long time. He was just phenomenal. I mean, he had little support. And yet he went out there and pitched his tail off each and every time. And he had a season to remember. It's just too bad it occurred in a lost season, another for the New York Mets. So that would be a story on the baseball side that would stand out for me. And, Johnny, going back to your college basketball thing, I would also say that, you know, Seton Hall's run, they finally got past the first round of the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. Um, uh, they did lose in the second round to Kansas, but they had a nice run there. So th- those are, you know, from a, a more local standpoint, certainly. Certainly what the Mets DeGrom did and what Seton Hall did on the basketball court would stand out for me. Absolutely. And and, and to uh, follow along that line of thinking, locally for me, um, how about this last NFL draft where the two local teams mm-hmm. have certainly found their you know figurehead for hopefully the next decade or so, the Giants drafting Saquon Barkley, who everyone thought was going to be a superstar and who is every bit of a superstar. He's not the quarterback, the franchise quarterback they wanted, but you couldn't find a better person to to be in your locker room and to step in front of the microphones. And what a performer on the field. You just certainly, you can't take your eyes off the guy. You don't know what he's going to do from one minute to the next. And Sam Darnold, 
has had sort of an up-and-down first season with the Jets. He's had some injuries. He's had some shining moments. He's had some, you know, uh, like freshman jitters out there, first-year jitters. But he looks like he could be the real deal. And so both both uh, franchises move forward with mm-hmm. with new, um, you know, blood. And it will be fun to watch those guys for the next decade or so. Yeah, and I'll start out with the bummers of 2018, and you guys know where I'm going to go. I mean, we did a whole season of the RU Review, and I really did not expect a big step back. I didn't expect the bowl game. I did not, but I thought, you know, we were excited about Artur Sikowski coming in, possibly being a savior. I think that was hopeful thinking, and uh, I would just believe that after a four-win campaign that they could build on that, which is what you hope for as a fan, and it just didn't happen. It was a terrible season, 1-11, a surprise to me. I thought uh, the Rutgers could at least win four games there. I, I, I predicted six because I got a little excited hoping for a bowl. I thought the schedule was favorable, and it was just a really, really difficult season. I'm sure you guys concur on that. I mean, not, you don't have the heart in it like I do, but you still – you know, you're in Jersey. It's a Jersey site. You want to see them do well, and they did not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a graduate as you are, and so I don't have as much skin in the game. But Seton Hall also doesn't have a football team, so there's there's no competition right. there. So I, I do want to see Rutgers do well. Um, I, I think it's a long haul. I, I think, unlike a lot of people, I, I see how hard it is. But I do see signs. Now, this you were year less was, surprised. Right? This year was a step back. There's no question. Well, no, I, I mean, I was surprised by the loss to Buffalo. I was surprised by their lack of ability to stop anybody. We saw very little improvement until the last half of the season where they made games more competitive. Uh, I, but I think that it's a tough league and they are in the toughest division of one of the toughest leagues in all of college football and it is not going to be easy that being said you only get so many kicks at the can if you're the head coach and Chris Ash to his credit he and his staff they did a pretty good job of keeping their recruits the ones that they had targeted in line not giving up on Rutgers saying oh you guys stink I'm going to go somewhere else that being said, it's certainly not a top 10 recruiting class. It is what you would expect for a rebuilding program in the Big Ten. But he didn't drop uh, precipitously. And so I, I think there are good things on the horizon. I'd like to see more fire out of him. I'd like to see more leadership out of him. Maybe it's just too quiet for me to see. But I think sometimes you got to stick your chest out and you got to be loud in the room. And I didn't see that from Chris Ash. But I'm hopeful. Who knows what that means? Uh, well, it's going to be a short coming into this year. It'll too. be a short lease next next year. Everybody knew who you'd get next year, so we'll uh, we'll see moving forward. Any bummer for you, Johnny? Yeah, you know, I think the one bummer that I could think of, which actually might turn out to be a silver lining in the long run, was when Kristaps uh, Porzingis blew out his ACL mm-hmm. and went down. Uh, yeah. Let's face it; the, he, he was a one man show there, and uh, the Knicks were not going to be really going anywhere with him. Uh, unless you think the eight seed in, in the playoffs is, is a good thing. And so he's out right now. They have a young team that's really not going anywhere. They're floundering at the moment, and it looks like they might be, you know, not putting up the white flag, you know, per se, but putting up the white flag, if you will. And so a, a guy like that, you know, getting him healthy and not rushing him back could lead them into one of the top seeds, or one of the top mm-hmm. picks in the NBA draft, which uh, anybody who's watched Duke play this year could be either Zion Williamson, who is an absolute 
highlight ESPN top 20 highlight film every night, uh, every night, or R.J. Barrett, who is also a star. So, you know, it, wind, it might wind up helping them out at the end because maybe they get a healthy Porzingis. They have Zion Williamson. And who knows, put pie in the sky, Kevin Durant in a Knicks uniform in the offseason. And let's go to war with that group. And, you know, who knows if Porzingis will even come back this year. I mean, will they even bother? I don't I think they will. Maybe back. late in the Why season. Yeah, I think maybe late in the season. Uh, just yeah. so he gets some games under his belt. You know, what you want is you don't want it to hang over his head until next camp as to yeah. how is my knee, uh, can I play at this level again. The mind games that an athlete has to deal with is pretty incredible. I would say they will let him continue to recover. There is no benefit to them winning more games. They continue to sell tickets. The fans seem to understand the whole rebuild. They're, the Knicks seem to have a plan, which is why the fans support it. I think you play him late in the season so he gets a few games, which provides a little glimmer of hope for the future. Yeah, You're going to get a high draft choice, and you're probably going to sign a free agent. So I, I, I think that the game plan is to let him sit out. Yes. And did you guys see Duke was in to play Texas Tech at the Garden last week? Right. The place was a sellout because, you know, Duke fills up everything. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech had a big uh, throng of fans as well. But Zion fouled out with about four minutes to go. But in the time frame that he was out there, he made at least two or three plays that, I mean, your jaw was on the floor. He goes up, they throw him an alley-oop. His head is at the cylinder. I mean, the guy <laughs> is incredible. His athleticism beast. is off the charts. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's great. unbelievable. And the crowd went nuts. All the New York papers could not stop writing about him. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, look look what happened last night when the Knicks played. They shuffled their lineup. Luke Cornett. Yes, Luke Cornett, the seven-foot, three-point shooting specialist. He's now in the starting lineup. They've shuffled everything together. I think they've got uh, they've got Zion-itis in uh, New York uh, New yeah. York Knicks headquarters. Uh-huh. And it's a smart thing to do. Sure. Uh, you know, they, they have tried it so many different ways. Again, at least there's a plan. If you sell the plan and you stick to the plan, the fans will buy it because they realize what had taken place previously was an abysmal failure. So yes. uh, applaud the Knicks for that. And meanwhile, quietly or maybe not so quietly, the Nets are just chugging along, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they struggled there for a little bit, but they found their stride. Had a big uh, overtime win against uh, Charlotte the other night. It was pretty exciting. The yeah, other game a run. Was exciting. I yeah. Huge run. Yeah, so I caught the end of it too, Johnny. And he disappointed. I tell you, that Spencer Dinwiddie, what a fun yeah. this guy is. Yeah. He's a terrific player. And Kenny Atkinson... You know, the, the, the word that I had always heard and read about him and my friend Marty Conlon had told me, this guy's a teacher extraordinaire. He can really build up young players. And look what he's doing. I mean, Dinwiddie has come out of nowhere. He's really playing well. They've got this young kid that they drafted, Kurooks is his last name, who has been unbelievable. He's almost a seven foot or 6'10 guy who's playing really well. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's doing well. They've got some nice pieces there, and, and they'll be getting out of this malaise of not having any draft picks in the next year so they should have some money sean marks has found a lot of good players off the scrap heap they've got a nice future i think yeah absolutely and then uh probably ahead of uh ahead of the curve certainly ahead of the uh, knicks but we'll see with porzingis coming back any disappointment on, on your end uh matt any surprise or well bummer? i mean you know my my mets disappointed me yeah. again that's always a bit of a bummer i would say and and it really started in 2017 but it came out in 2018 
when I watched the World Cup and realized the U.S. was not there. Now, the U.S. is never, you never say never, because it's athletics and competition and the human endeavor can lead to great things. But they're probably never going to win a World Cup. But they should be in it every four years. It's just Absolutely. a disgrace that mm-hmm. they failed to qualify. I'm sorry. There Absolutely. are enough kids playing this sport. They've been playing it long enough. There's enough of a culture in this country. There is no way we shouldn't beat Panama, mm-hmm. Trinidad, Tobago. I don't care. Now, when it comes time to playing with the big dogs, it's not really in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Kids just don't run out and play it on a field, and there's not a good development system, et cetera, et cetera. So to expect world-level success, no. But in this region, we can't get out of our own way. I mean, it cost a lot of the leaders of the United States Soccer Federation their jobs, and rightfully so, and hopefully better days are ahead. Only thing that can be said is we're not alone there. I mean, the Netherlands, Italy, Italy was not in, That's yeah. a, which is pretty amazing. I mean, that, 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 in that country. And, and I forget who they had, and I agree, yeah. those, are, those are shockers. But they have real competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We true. have nobody. Yeah. True. We have nobody. Yeah, and I'm not saying that we should just be able to put the soccer balls on the field and Panama should roll over and play dead. You're not beating Costa Rica. Dead. Come on. Uh, yeah, but We should. We have nine times That's the population it. or more of – I mean, I don't even know. I'd have to look. It's it crazy. It might be 15 mm-hmm. times the population. Come on. Now, granted, it's all those countries play is, is football for the most part. But still, the soccer. Should never. Yeah, but uh, not ever. Oh, no. Never. Yeah. Never should lose, maybe mm-hmm. lose a game there, yeah. absolutely. But in a tournament to get qualified, we should do better than yeah. we did. Absolute abysmal failure on the part of the United States soccer. Mm-hmm. Federation. No, absolutely. And you touched on the Giants a little bit, John, but what about the Jets? I mean, Todd Bowles is out. Um, you know, listen, they they did get Sam Darnold, he looks like there's a bright future ahead, but still a d- disappointing season. But were they either the Jets or the Giants? Were they go- going anywhere? Oh, I don't think so. I kind of bought in early on that the Giants' offense was going to be a juggernaut and they were just going to outscore people. And, you know, I, I had written about Eric Flowers early that, you know, whether or not he was going to be able to hold up. Well, you see that Eric Flowers was jettisoned a couple couple games into the season they're one of their big free agent signings that patrick omame he was gone as well so that offensive line just really was the their undoing early in the season and eli got off to a rocky start odell can't stay on the field he gets hurt all the time uh and their defense really was not as uh you know as great as we all thought they would be so uh shame on me for buying in early i i saw that they were uh, not going to be as good a couple games in. And at that point, as a Giants fan, I was just hoping for the best, uh, you know, pick in the draft because they got to get uh, they got to get in there again this year. As for the Jets, you know, they're they're young, and the biggest thing that they have now is a franchise quarterback and a lot of money to spend this offseason with a new coach. The question is, will there be a new general manager buying the groceries? But I think the future is bright for the Jets. As I said, they have a lot of money to spend, and let's see how they spend it. What are you looking forward to in 2019, Steve? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, you know, baseball is. Uh, look, the AL East is back, right? And so there's going to be a battle there with the Red Sox and the Yankees. They're still a fantastic team. I mean, it it, it was ended up being disappointing for them, but uh, you know, baseball is just. I mean, like it's it, it's a fantastic sport, and uh, 
And I, I like that the AL East is, is strong again. There's a few years there where it was kind of uh, there were down years. And, um, you know, so again, seeing if the Red Sox can repeat is exciting. But, the, you know, the Yankees are playing great baseball. I think the Mets have an opportunity. So local baseball, I think, coming up, uh, very interesting what the Mets did, hiring a, an agent as a GM. And then, boy, he wanted to make a, a, you know, a stamp, didn't he? He started making some moves right out of the jump. So, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about the baseball season coming up for sure. Yeah, I'm not so excited about the Mets. Maybe I've just been burned too many years out of the box. Brody Van Wagenen did make a lot of moves, but kind of band aid moves. And you know, the Mets are still not going to be a player until the Wilpon show. They're either willing or able to spend money. The Mets are not going to be able to to do much now. Look, Mickey Calloway grew as a manager. They were much better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season. Um, the the pitching staff has been kept intact, and that certainly will give them great hope. They went out and got themselves a closer, so that improves things there. But I'm still not sure, you know, what this team is all about. It's it's aging in places with Cano and Frazier. Uh, I'm I, I'm just not sure. That being said. He did clear out some of the chaff, and let's see if the wheat can produce some nice bread for the Mets mm-hmm. in 2019. You know what I'm interested in seeing is the impact of sports betting, which is now mm-hmm. legal. Yeah. Uh, and you, if you don't watch the Devils, you probably don't notice it. And the reason I say that is New Jersey's already set it up. It's here. And the Devils are all in as an organization with the legalization of gambling. I shouldn't say the organization because I don't want to implicate players, coaches, management. That that kind of stays outside their their realm. But there is money to be made, and our organization has embraced it. It's here. It's here to stay. The United States is one of the last countries to embrace it. It's all over the world. So our organization has said, let's go and make deals with these people. So we've made deals with... Uh, William Hill, for instance. And during the course of Devils games, there are ads that say the William Hill line was who would have the most penalties during the game, Devils or whoever they're playing on a given Mm -hmm. night. And then they'll show what the results to date are. Well, the Devils have had four minutes of penalties. The opponents had eight minutes of penalties. Uh, You can only bet within the Garden State. So that's why you won't see it on on a Brooklyn Nets game or you won't see it on even though the NBA has embraced, I guess, Caesars. I'm not really sure. So you'll see more and more of it is rolled out. But it's going to be very interesting as to how people view games or listen to games or attend games and what their behavior is, because you can sit in the Meadowlands. Oh, jeez, there's a, there's a Freudian slip and a flashback. You can sit at Prudential Center and watch a Devils game and you can make a bet. You can sit there on the app and make a bet. And that changes everything. We've always known that gambling has been a part of the sports world. I was surprised. I've been surprised how the quote-unquote average fan has embraced it. But a lot of fans are sitting there saying, hey, I'm at the game. I'll throw five bucks on it. You know, we're not talking about the guy who went to his local bookie necessarily. There's a lot of money to be made in the guy who's just going to bet 15 bucks to see if the Devils can beat X if so and so will have more shots on goal. I don't even know what all the all the prop bets are, but it's pretty incredible as to mm-hmm. how quickly it has taken over and I think it's going to I don't know if it's going to have a negative impact, but I'm I'm interested to see how much of an impact it has as behavior and will change. there be growth? Will there be more attendance? Will there be It's a good question. Yeah. I mean again, you don't need to be in the building. You just have mm-hmm. to be within the borders of the Garden mm-hmm. State to place the bet. We 
hear stories all the time of people in the area, Pennsylvania, upstate New York, New York City, Delaware, who uh, or, or uh, Philadelphia, who drive across bridges mm-hmm. and make a bet and then drive back because yeah, and you know, then they it, can geolocate you and realize that you're not within the boundaries of the state and prevent you from mm-hmm. doing it. And then what comes up is obviously the, the love of your team. Being a fan, are you a fan or are you just a fan of the numbers? So it, it changes that well, aspect of it Well, I mean, you see what too. fantasy football has done, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no, I won't say nobody, but many people don't care anymore. Like mm-hmm. if the Giants are playing, I think it's different if your team has a chance to win. So if you are a fan of Kansas City and you've got, you know, whoever they're playing, but you have somebody on the other team that's in your fantasy football league, Mm -hmm. you want that player to do really well. It may affect the outcome of the game. You hope it doesn't. But, yeah, your loyalties are divided uh, Mm -hmm. to an extent. I think still if your team has a chance to win, you're going to support that team. But you wouldn't mind. It was a high-scoring affair. And your quarterback got 23 points. Anyway, it's it's just curious. It, it, It happened overnight, it seemed. And now it's it's a part of the New Jersey sports scene, and it will be growing. Um, I don't know what's taking New York so long, but in New York, um, I guess everyone's got their hand in the till, good, mm-hmm. better, indifferent. Not implying anything. Hello, Albany. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know why it's, why it's taken other states so long to do it. But give Jersey credit. Once it was legalized, they were ready to jump in the fray. Man. Sure. Yes. Johnny, what are your hopes for 2019? You know, my hopes start on actually New Year's Eve when Big East basketball kicks off their conference play. Um, and interesting for this year, it I don't think, and I'm sure Matt will back me up on this one, this year is the first in a couple of years that doesn't look like it will be a coronation for Villanova. Thank goodness. Uh, to, yeah. Yeah, to just win. Though the they're good for the they, league. I mean, they're very good in such a national story. Mm-hmm. Yes, without a doubt. But it's. It's a little more wide open this year. I mean, look at Seton Hall on your end has had some amazing wins so far. They beat Kentucky at the Garden. They go down and beat Maryland down at Maryland, which is not easy to do. Um, And some of the other teams. I think Marquette is a team to watch out for. I think that, um, you know, Creighton and things like that could be starting to move up towards the top. And uh, I'm interested to see how my Friars are going to do. It's a season that's wide open and it's local. And it's back at the Garden for the tournament, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out beginning New Year's Eve. Well, actually, it's just a couple of days prior, right? Uh, in fact, tomorrow at the Rock, a uh, big matchup yeah. between Seton Hall and St. John's. Yes, that's going to be a great game. sellout that's again. That's going to be a great game. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's a sellout, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Fans That'll are coming out, no question. And uh, yeah, similar teams. I mean, uh, St. John's just shoots the hell out of the ball. And uh, I, I think Seton Hall's a little bigger than them. I, the St. John's is not a big team. But, boy, I mean, no. they just they just shot Rutgers out of the rack. I mean, it was just a blowout. Um, Seton Hall's yeah, played a yeah. more challenging schedule. Mm-hmm. That may favor them. And they are at home. But St. John's will have a yeah. St. John's will have a yeah. lot of supporters. It's Look, a must-watch. And and you know what, Miles Kale against Maryland had a sensational game, and Kevin Willard got uh, Romero Gill into the game, and and so he s- changed. So- you know, he changed that game a little bit, um, mm-hmm. more than a little bit, because he's so big. I'm not sure how good he is. Big win overall. against at Maryland. Oh no, yeah. No. As Johnny said, not easy to do. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. And uh, no, uh, that that was a, a resume win. They've had a bunch seat sure. hall, and they got some surprise. They got something special going. No I, I don't know where it will lead, but for a team that uh, was 
had lower expectations oh. because of the graduation of so many stars off of last year's team. Miles Powell has just said, "Come on, boys, I'm going to lead you to the promised land." Hey, great job yeah, by Willard. Got to give it. He got hands, yeah. hands. You know, recruiting and coaching, and 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 these guys are stepping up, and they are looking really good. Let's see what they can That's do. It. And is the and Big East falling yeah. off a little bit now? Villanova's vulnerable, and well, that's what John was saying, right? I mean, it, there's no clear-cut favorite. Yeah. It's more balanced than it's been, and and that might just be a euphemism for being worse than it's been in a long time. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. But there is some good talent there. But I'm telling you, man, as you mentioned, Johnny, uh, Marquette, he's got some talent up there, man. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. The and, Golden Eagles. By the way, I'm showing my age. I mean, the Golden Eagles, come on. They're the Warriors, yeah. but that's back <laughs> in the day. Al McGuire, I mean, that's the dark ages. But at any rate, I mean, uh, Gene's got some guys up there. He can play, and he can coach. Yes, Matt, I'll, I'll have you know that Bo Ellis is not starting at center any longer. Really? <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> that's, that's... Remember those uniforms they had with the like the flaps out in the back? They had those oh, yeah. crazy uniforms. Oh, yeah. Quick, funny Al McGuire story, right? So his son, Ali McGuire, played for him. And I don't know who the player is that went into his office. Uh, I I had the pleasure of meeting Al once. Uh, The Nets were playing in Milwaukee, and uh, Bill Rafter, he was a friend, and we had lunch, and it was just great. I I won't say there were a lot of good stories, but you're having lunch with this iconic figure, right? Anyway, so he tells the story. So Ali is a player on the team, and the other point guard comes into the coach's office and says coach like you know I'm not playing as much as Allie but I'm just as good as him and you know he does this and I do that and I just don't get it uh, uh, you know I can't see why I'm not playing more I mean he he's playing more than me and I think we're the same player and he said Allie's my son you have to be <laughs> you have to be better <laughs> equals not gonna cut it <laughs> oh that's funny yeah yeah Alex oh man and uh Ryan, oh yeah, god yeah funny. and who was his longtime assistant john remember um J- rick majeris well yeah but there was another guy that was at his side in between um yeah oh hank no not yes hank, hank raymond. raymond that's right was it yep yep yeah, yeah, they they've had you know little Marquette is has had some storied college basketball you know lineage there. They they've had uh, uh, a lot of good mileage out of them, and, and it'll be interesting. It's a big year for Steve Wojciechowski. He's been there for a number of years now. He's had some good talent. He's been able to to mine the you know some of the Wisconsin kids that have been going to the University of Wisconsin. He's got a couple of them and. Uh, he's got an amazing score in Marcus Howard, who had 45 uh, when they knocked out Buffalo. Yeah, the University of Buffalo in basketball is great, too. They were undefeated, ranked number 14. So they can put points on the board. Can yeah. they stop people? That's the question. Yeah, well, by I, the way, I had a I had a I, I think I said Gene, but it is Steve Wojciechowski. Gene Wojciechowski, of course, is on ESPN, as yeah. Steve often is. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of crisscrossed the, my Wojciechowski's there. Well, guys, no it's been a fantastic 2018 for more sports now. Really our best year yet. It's been great working with you guys, right? So we had a fantastic uh, group of sponsors, and uh, you know we put, uh, introduced some new shows. Uh, we'll, of course, do that because we're always evolving in 2019. Really looking forward to it. And also, we want to thank all the people that listen uh, to our podcast and, uh, and uh, click on our uh, site and uh, check out our Facebook and uh, Twitter pages as well. So, uh, you know, we got a lot of support, more support than ever, uh, which is fantastic. We'll, uh, we'll uh, have a lot of new stuff for 2019 as well. So, so uh, Happy New Year. 
everybody. I'm Steve Titchener here with uh, Matt Lachlan. we got Johnny Mack on the line. We're excited about 2019, and our next show will be uh, next year. See you then. Bye-bye.